Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sabre Talk podcast. This is Mark Geis joined by co-host Josh Eppinger. And How's it going? And we're going to be talking about two games today. Uh, we, we're we going to try to get these out probably once or twice a week. So typically we'll probably be talking about one to three games at a time. But Sabres now stand at 7-9-5 and five, or second last in the conference with 19 points. And we're going to be talking about the... 2-1 shootout loss to the Red Wings on Wednesday night and the 3-1 loss in regulation to the Capitals on Friday night. That game just ended not too long ago. So in the Wednesday night game, Brian Gianta scored the lone goal for the, the lone goal for the Sabres on a garbage goal that I, that I know Josh can really appreciate. And uh, Gustav Nyquist scored the lone the lone goal in regulation for the Red, for the for the Red Wings on a beautiful feed from our old friend Thomas Vanek, and then Vanek ended up scoring the deciding goal in the shootout with his patented around-the-world move that we've seen probably 20 to 30 times watching him so much. I and then, knew it was coming. <laughs> we knew it, but there aren't enough players that have played with Vanek on the team. Like, Leonard probably would have no idea. Uh, and then they lost, like I said, 3-1 to one to the Capitals. Reinhardt scored the lone goal for the Sabres. And then Daniel Winnick, Marcus Johansson, and Brett Connolly scored the three goals for the Capitals. So I'm going to open up, open it up to Josh here and let him start, and we'll go from there. All right. Well, um, the first uh, the first game I want to talk about is the Red Wings, obviously. And uh, that was a good game. I thought Buffalo dominated the first half of that game until about seven minutes in when uh, – started taking penalties, and the Nyquist goal started from a beautiful assist from Thomas Ivanek. Uh Usually not used to seeing him pass the puck like that. That was a, that was a quite a nifty pass. But uh, Jimmy Howard was the real difference maker in this game for me. Um, he had uh, 34 saves on the night with a, nine point, a .944 save at percentage. Um, he really did a lot for that team. The first period... Um, Obviously, we all thought that Larson – was it Larson, Mark, that uh, poked in that first goal, but the refs called the whistle down too early? Yep, it was. Yeah, the puck was still loose, but the the ref was kind of behind the net on the right side, and so I can understand why he didn't see the puck, but it was blown dead pretty prematurely. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a shame because, you know, the Sabres get two points there if that goal goes in, I think. And uh, – they had a lot of momentum going that entire period, I felt like. I mean, this Detroit uh, had a good amount of shots the first period, too. But, I mean, time of possession, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers right now, but the Sabres definitely led in that department. Um, but it was, a, it was a tough game. It was hard on a swallow going down the shootout, and you just kind of know. When the Sabres get in the shootout, you're like, what's going to happen? And then you got your muddy man for a shootout and on the roster in my opinion Kyle Oposo missing the first shot of the 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 shootout and I'm like uh well, um, and what do you think about the decision to throw Cal O'Reilly back out there again I mean I I don't know how big of a fan I am I kind of want my big money players going out there yeah. and deciding that game for me I absolutely agree with you Mark uh I saw it I'm like what Cal O'Reilly's going out right now <laughs> come on that's a questionable call by Coach Bilesma there. Well, Bilesma's kind of known for falling in love with plugs for whatever reason. And Cal O'Reilly, you know, I respect what he does, a great AHL scorer and somebody you can bring up and he's not going to be a liability in your lineup. But 
him leaning on him like that, putting him out there in that situation, and then we'll talk about this later, but moving him up as the third line center, and you know, instead of having Sam Reinhart there, I thought showed even more favoritism toward him. So I just don't get Bilesma's decisions sometimes with players like that. He's done this he did the same thing with Derek Grant to start the year too. Where he was he had him on the second power play unit. He was playing him on the penalty kill. And you know he was he was playing more than some of our more highly touted forwards, and he's a career AHLer. Just yeah, was very interesting. I and kind of unexplainable. Um, you know, but it, that first period was real encouraging for five on five play against the Red Wings. Uh, just just seeing the the handful of quality scoring chances they had, and man, if Lars if they counted Larson's goal there, I wish they the the NHL would do something more what the NHL NFL does, which is you know they kind of let the play go and then make the call later to see if it's covered or not. I I I'd be in favor to see that years to come. I think so too. I, I'd much rather see them err on the side of caution rather than blowing plays dead prematurely. And I understand that they would say, well, it's to protect the players and we don't want people getting hurt and the goaltenders getting the run goal. into or anything. But, I mean, you can take that same logic to the NFL. They could easily call plays dead sooner than they do and they wouldn't expose their players to as many injuries. But I think it adds to the excitement of the game. You know, if, it, if a player yeah. jumps offside, uh, if a defensive player jumps offside, you have that free play. That's a pretty exciting addition to the game, I think. And it's the same thing where I'd much rather you hold on to your whistle for an extra half a second and really make sure rather than blow the play dead the split second that, you, uh, that you've lost sight of the puck. Yeah, you know, and the goaltenders are already protected enough, in my opinion. I mean, these guys are prima donnas as it is. Maybe the biggest prima donnas in the game. <laughs> I, I don't know. I... I don't. I I think that you know. Yes, we don't want to see guys take a goaltender who's standing on on his heels, waiting for a puck, getting slapped by a right winger crashing down the the right hand side of the ice. But you know, they're protected enough. When well, I think you of, would uh, still want to call penalties too. I mean, if somebody really did go hard at the goaltender, try to knock in what they think might be a loose puck, and it's goaltender interference, it should still be goaltender interference, even if the play. <clears throat> You know, would have been blown dead in that split second of time. So I think you can still you can find a balance between those two things. It's not it's not all or nothing. Mylan Lucic. Yeah, jeez. But um, you know, it was nice seeing Ryan O'Reilly come back Wednesday too. He I think he had a strong game. There was one play in the first period that I really liked. Ryan O'Reilly stick handled around Nicholas Crownall. And uh, passed the puck to R- Rasmus Rissalainen at the blue line for an open shot at net where no one was around. Sure, there was no screen, but just to get the puck on net is a great opportunity. And uh, we saw it in th- we saw it in overtime. We saw it in the third period with O'Reilly stick handling around players and just just short stick handling when he's not really moving, but protecting the puck is just amazing. Uh, what do you think about Ryan O'Reilly's performance Wednesday, Mark? I liked it a lot, and I know we had discussed briefly before we started the podcast just about how he stood out in the overtime, both he and Ristolainen did. And that's what you need your big money players to do. You need them to step up when points are really on the line, and I thought that's what he did. And I think you're completely on the money 
something that's very underrated or underappreciated about O'Reilly is his ability to, to do things in tight spaces. And that's his stick handling. That's his quickness and agility. And I think kind of the perception of him around the league is he's a great two-way center. You know, you can lean on him in all situations. He's he's smart on the power play. He's a good passer. He's got a nice shot. People, I think, know all of those things. But I, I think one really underrated thing about him is his stick handling in, in tight spaces and, and his ability to make defensemen kind of have to respect that. And you don't really yeah. know what he's going to do. He's not predictable. He doesn't really have tendencies because he's good at everything. And you saw him coming back on Wednesday and then on, on Friday night as well, uh, tonight, how important he is to this team. Oh, yeah. And he's on the penalty kill too. He he does a lot for this team. He, he's obviously our next captain after this season when uh, old Gianta's gone. Well, he's he's got to be. I, I can't really see an argument for anybody else as much as I do respect some of the other personalities on this team. He's he's the kind of the he he's who everybody else follows. He that's the example that everybody else follows, and that's exactly what you want your captain to be. And if the Sabers ever do win the Stanley Cup with this core in place, you can completely I can completely see him lifting up that cup. You know, with his tooth <laughs> missing. That's what you want your captain to look like. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's just he's a he's a likable character. He's great. Um, going one more thing about Detroit here. Uh, man, it was nice seeing Evander Kane do something. He didn't have a very strong game, in my opinion, Wednesday against the uh, Wings. But tonight, either coming down the right. Can... No, I absolutely I agree. Um, but coming down the right hand side, right hand boards, uh, getting some speed. Carrying the puck with one hand on his stick and lowering his left shoulder into the defensive and, and then with one hand putting the puck on net where uh, Brian Gianta comes up and gets a garbage goal to get us to overtime was pretty clutch. That might have been one of the our, that was our save well it was our saving grace for the game on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a very strong play and that's what you need to see consistently from Kane. That's what he's paid to do. He's strong. He's fast and he can get the puck on net. And that's why I kind of like him in that third-line sort of role. I like him next to Johan Larson. I'm not saying I loved him tonight uh, playing next to Larson, but I think having Kane as the catalyst on a third line is his ideal role. Unfortunately, we don't really have the winger depth to be able to, you know, to be able to have other guys up in the top six and keep him in a third-line role. But I think that's where yeah. he's at his best. Just get the puck to the net, play a simple game, and have other guys be crashing the net. Uh, and I think that's what you saw there. Yeah. Well, um, uh, no, heading, heading to tonight, um, the line, Dan Bilesma decided to make some line changes. Uh, he uh, put 82, Marcus Foligno, on the left-hand side of Ryan O'Reilly and um, Kyle Oposo and decided to send... Uh, decided to put uh, uh, Vander Kane on the left-hand side with Larson and Gianta and moved uh, moved Sam Reinhart all the way down to the third line with Cal O'Reilly and William Carrier. And then your fourth line was Zygmunt Gergesons, Derek Grant, and Matt Molson. That sounds like a lot of – that sounds like three fourth lines on a really good NHL teams to me, those bottom three. I don't know what you think, Mark. Yeah, I hated this move. I 
I'm critical of Bilesma about a lot of things. This is probably what stands out to me most in these last two games as to what was frustrating. So we talked about it in our last podcast. We've finally started to see Reinhardt look comfortable at center. You finally start him to see making you're starting to see him make plays. And I was critical last year that they didn't get him more time as the third line center to adjust to playing center at the NHL level because it does take time. Uh, but finally he starts to get comfortable. And then you move him to the wing. And it's not like they're moving him to the wing because Jack Eichel is coming back. They're moving him to the wing to move Cal O'Reilly up into the top nine. And it just it doesn't make sense to me at all. I think you let Reinhardt play this next week at center. He'd come off a couple of pretty decent games. You know, not perfect, not flawless by any means. But to put him as the third-line right winger to accommodate Cal O'Reilly moving up in the lineup just was boneheaded to me. And Reinhardt still yeah. ended up scoring a goal, and they ended up moving him back up the lineup later on in that game to, to try to consolidate offense. They shortened up the bench, but it just that, didn't make any sense to me. Well, that's what happened, too. Uh, Reinhardt got moved up with O'Reilly and Oposo, and Oposo makes a good play on the boards. And cycles the puck over to Reinhardt, who where he buries one from the top right hand corner of the faceoff dot circle. So yeah, and I that's mean, what I was yeah, that's what I was saying that that's what they ended up doing anyways. And with this team's inability to score, I don't think taking one of your top offensive weapons and kind of wasting him on that third line. I mean, what's the chances that that third line is going to be able to create any offense? That Sam Reinhardt's going to be able to basically single handedly create offense with Cal O'Reilly as his center, I think your chances are much better having Reinhardt up in the top six with your other offensive weapons playing pretty decent hockey. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, one one thing we could could talk about this uh, Capitals game is one thing I don't like blaming, even though I am the way I am and I'm the hockey player that I was, I do not like the calls against the Sabres, some of the calls against the Sabres tonight, but I will never blame the referees for a game. But you can't, there was a penalty tonight, uh, too many men on the ice with um, four minutes and 20 seconds left. Uh, We're down one after that Reinhardt goal, and the Sabres had some momentum. Well, they lost it all when, uh, when, um, who who scored the goal for them? uh, Brett Connolly. Uh, Brett Connolly, yeah. His second of the year picks up uh, Ovechkin's rebound for open net. You know what? That that really ruined the game. And one thing I love about the sport of hockey, I mean, granted, rules are rules and they should be followed most of the time, but I love when refs don't let games be decided on calls. It drives me nuts watching NFL, and they just give games to teams because of a call that is uh, – he, he said, she said type of thing. What do you think about the too many men on the ice call tonight, Mark? Well, it was it was wrong, straight up. It, it was the wrong call. I don't have a problem, like you said, with what, when there's an actual penalty that happens. I don't want them to just put their whistles away uh, late in games. You know, I don't. If there's a penalty, I want it to be called. I don't want the rules to change all of a sudden late in the game. But that wasn't a too many men on the ice penalty. If you watch it, and I'll read the excerpt from the rule book here but if you watch it Jake McCabe starts to come off the ice as Georges is coming off 
and then the pucks fired it. And I forget who fired it from the Capitals, but it hits McCabe. But McCabe didn't play it, and it accidentally struck him. He got back on the bench. Georges looks at him, waits until he's back up off the ice, and then plays it because Georges understands the rule. But the rule says, quote, if in the course of a substitution either the player entering the play or the player retiring is struck by the puck accidentally, the play will not be stopped and no penalty will be called. So that was not a penalty. And you can see Georges making sure that, that, that McCabe was off the ice before he played it because he knows if McCabe was still standing on the ice, it would have been a penalty. And then the refs wait until they get a reaction from the crowd and the Capitals are all standing around, and then they finally make the call late. And I think NHL officials, officials at the highest level of their profession, can't let the crowd influence calls like that. And that happened to him multiple times. It happened to him with that Larson call as well. Terrible. Yeah, they waited, they saw the reaction, and they saw, it was Kuznetsov, right? It was Kuznetsov or Johansson. I'm not 100. Oh, I think sure. yeah, I think it was, I think it was Johansson. And yeah, they see he puts his hands in the air and makes a big, uh, you know, makes a big deal out of it. But that type of play happens a hundred times, where guys sticks come together like that, and they're both trying to win a one-on-one battle. And to make that call, I, it just seemed really ticky-tack to me. Now there was one call I forget. Maybe you remember the details. I thought was pretty weak for the Capitals as well, so I don't want to imply that it went all the Sabres way. But I thought yeah, the officiating was, the, was just poor tonight. Was it the was it the uh are you talking about the Rasmus Rissalani tripping call that on Ovechkin? Uh yes. Ovechkin coming coming around. Yeah. That was a that was a tough one. Man, you know it's weird that I think Ovechkin and Ristolainen really just hate each other, or maybe just Ristolainen loves giving it to the star players. I'm not sure, but I remember a few games last year; those guys went at it a few times. I thought I'd love to see those guys go at it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always been a great battle, and I that's one of the things that stuck out in my mind about Ristolainen. Where I, I know he went through his rough patches last year, but where you thought this guy might have the moxie to actually be a number one defenseman in the NHL because he he played Ovechkin pretty tough in that um there's one matchup in particular i remember where he was playing ovechkin really tight um but that's always good to see and you think ristolainen probably has the personality to really think he can shut down anyone and it's it's more about him learning how to do that consistently over time yeah sorry about the barking dog there by the way it's okay ralph is getting a little getting a little feisty i don't know (laughs) Um, maybe he's maybe an Ovechkin he's a big, fan. Uh, yeah, he's an Ovechkin fan. He has a number eight tattooed on his uh, hind leg. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one thing that has been sticking out to me lately, uh, and I kind of was curious to get your opinion on this one, Mark. Uh, the Sabers don't seem too good on three on two offensive rushes into the from the neutral zone into over the blue line lately. Uh, something you've talked about before is not liking that. Um, the system that Bilesma has, dumping the puck in and ha- not having the right guys to go in there and get the puck after a dump and chase. Uh, they, I, they, lo- they have lost the puck a few times going over the line three on two, and they haven't been able to generate the right play to get over the blue line and get open to have a good successful three on two rush. Like you can, you see 
and granted, we do not have the roster that the Tampa Bay Lightning have, but they're they're a team that the watch because when they go when they're in the neutral zone, and they come over the blue line, those guys set up and they that's where all their offense comes from. Uh, what what do you think? Do you think the Sabers have a problem on three and two rushes? Do you, do you see any way that we could maybe change this? They do. I mean, I don't. I don't know really what if there's a specific remedy for that. I I think it's more about making quick, crisp, crisp decisions. A lot of times, they'll wait that split second too long, and it allows one of those two defensemen back to be able to make a play either on the puck carrier or kind of isolate the two of them on one side and be able to at least make that pass more difficult and allow enough time for one of the back checkers to come back. But I completely agree with your assessment. That's what good teams do is they create off the rush. And it's so hard in today's NHL when the systems are so tight defensively. It's very difficult to create offense when you're set up in the offensive zone. And if you can create offense on the rush, I think that's that's what sets you apart from other teams offensively. Bad offensive teams can't do that. Good offensive teams do do it. And we saw the Capitals be able to do it today. Um, the Red Wings, their only goal was on a two-on-one. And it feels like it's been ages before this, or, uh, since the Sabres have really been able to execute a two-on-one or a three-on-two well. So I'm hoping having Eichel back and another dynamic player will help. But it seemed like they were very poor in this area last year as well. And that's when they had everybody relatively healthy. They didn't, they didn't have Kyle Oposo, but I think it's just hesitating too long. And it seems like this has been a criticism of Sabres teams really since uh, since the co-captains left. It seemed like they've been very hesitant on odd man rushes in general since then and trying too often to make the cutesy last pass. Um and it's, it, it's times, just very frustrating. How many times have we seen a Vander Kane stop and try to slow the play down, which, you know, I think can be a good play, but then just lose the puck as soon as he stops once getting over the blue line in the last couple of games. It is killing me, Mark. Yeah. I, I, it's, uh, it's, you know, you have a three-on-two rush, you stop, and then you lose the puck out of nowhere, or, you know, just trying to shake one guy. This three-on-two, figure it out. I mean, they're, they're obviously they're not as offensively skilled as the teams that we want them to look like, but... Well, they've got to uh, make sure they're it, at least getting the puck to the net in those situations. Even if, I'm, I'm sounding like Rob Ray, I guess, right now, where if he had it his way, everybody would just fire the puck on goal right when they cross the, right when they cross the blue <laughs> line. But I think with Evander Kane in particular, we talked about what his strengths are, and his strengths are bowling his way to the net. His strengths are not stopping and slowing the play down so either give the puck up to somebody who can do that effectively or stick to your strengths get to the net and get the puck on that for vander kane in particular but that is very frustrating i think that's one of the things that's setting them apart from really most of the rest of the teams in the league and why they're struggling to score so much not that they're that effective when they do get set up in the offensive zone either but if you can't score off the rush you're not scoring many goals yeah, you need to you need to take advantage of those uh, odd man rushes. I mean, those are the most exciting plays to see. And you know, just uh, you know, I hate to talk about these two guys, but going back to the World Cup of Hockey, um, Connor McDavid coming over the blue line and feeding the puck perfectly to Austin Matthews and Team North America's win over uh, Team Europe. Maybe it was the first game. I can't remember. But I mean, just. 
you know, just that perfect that perfect pass when it's two on one to put it right in the stick and deflect it in the goal. It's a very easy thing if you can do it. And uh, this is not a team that seems like they can do it. Let's see what happens when uh, Eichel comes back. He was skating uh, full the other day with the team in the same color jerseys as the team. So I think that could be a good sign. I hope he can uh, be back in this lineup here in a week or so, maybe less than a week. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering um, I'm wondering if Thursday, I believe they play the Rangers Thursday next week. I'm wondering if that could be a target At for home. him to get back and maybe they can beat VZ and the Rangers <laughs> try to show VZ maybe yeah. the wrong choice, even though I'm sure he's not regretting his decision right now with how the Rangers have played so far this year. No, they've been one of the most oppressive teams in the league. Uh, did you see Did you see VZ's uh, saucer pass the other night? Yeah, it was very nice. He's yeah. he's yeah. fit right in. That would be yeah. a, a very nice piece to have right now, especially with this team's winger depth. But yeah, he made his own Can't decision. Can't hate Murray for the move. No, no, yeah. and I no. I said I like I it at the Murray time. I mean, move, it, yeah. you kind of you take a risk. It's a calculated risk, and I think the Sabers were in that race at the end. I think it helped show Vizi that they wanted him. But at the end of the day, it's a third round pick, and. Yeah. Really, what's the chances that that third round pick is going to turn into anything? It's very small. Yep. That was Jamie McGinn, by the way. That's that pick was uh, the conditional we got from Anaheim to trade McGinn. Yep. So. That's right. You know. And who needs Jamie McGinn when you got Marcus Foligno? Yeah, well, it was definitely the right decision for them to trade away McGinn and not go after him in the off season. I think it would have been another Molson type signing a guy that really you can't trust in your top six and I don't think that's somebody you want to be spending a lot of money on uh, no. and so. he didn't get that much money either you know so he teams know managers know they're they're not dumb yeah I think teams have gotten much more careful and unrestricted free agency they've kind of figured out the the cap and and how it works and the types of signings that get you into trouble not every team has but because um, there were still some boneheaded signings, I thought, but uh, teams are we'll getting smarter. Much, we'll see how much Tavares brings in after this season or the year after, whatever year he is done. That should be interesting. Yeah, I wonder if he'll test the open market. Um, Islanders fans sure seem to not think he will, but they're at the bottom of the league right now, and I, w- I probably wouldn't want to stay there if I was him. You can't really compare it to the Stamkos situation because Stamkos was deciding between, you know, should I stay, okay, where I live and in Florida where there's no state income tax and where the weather's nice and where my team's going to have a shot to win the cup probably every year for the next three to four years at the least. Um, Or do I go elsewhere? And not that the teams offering him a lot of money didn't have some promise, but that's far different from, from Tavares who's deciding between sticking with a team who they look pretty bad and they spent money pretty, pretty stupidly in, free agency the Andrew Ladd contracts looking horrible it looked bad at the time and it's looking even worse now and they allowed Oposo to go rather than really make yep. a good run at him uh, so I wouldn't blame him for trying to go elsewhere and I don't know if Toronto yep. will be the team that ends up backing up the Brinks truck to him but uh, that would certainly make sense well speaking of uh, teams that have made uh, good moves one team that I felt had a pretty good offseason was um, the Ottawa Senators, and we're going over there on a Tuesday night. 
Yep. Is it? Well, how do you feel about our chances against the Senators on Tuesday, Mark? I feel like we've been pretty evenly matched with them overall. Um, they don't they don't impress me that much. I think they're always a team that's kind of right there on the fringe of making the playoffs or just missing the playoffs. Craig Anderson does always seem to own the Sabers, so I never really, I never really believe we're going to win, especially when when we're going into Ottawa. Uh, but yeah. you got to think, Bobby Ryan and Derek Broussard start to catch fire at some point. I know uh, Kyle Turris; yeah. he's had a pretty good start to the season after struggling through injuries last year. He has nine goals, I believe, in twenty games so far this year, uh, and they've struggled through some injuries to start the year. Uh, Stone was hurt, uh, but they're healthy now. Everybody's back except Clark MacArthur, who's been out all year. Uh, so we'll see this team at full health. The Sabres obviously will not be at full health. Uh, their defense I still don't love. It, obviously Eric Carlson is fantastic, and Phaneuf, though his contract is bad, was an upgrade for them, brought in another legitimate top four guy, uh, but not a whole Phaneuf. lot behind them. Man, that's my, that was your that was your boy back in the day, Mark. Yeah, Dion back in his back in his Calgary days, but getting traded to Toronto <laughs> will end that pretty quickly. Oh yeah, and they, you know they brought they brought in uh, they brought in a couple they brought in some good players though. I I do like uh, their move for Bassard. I know he hasn't been performing up to expectation, but um, he's a great player. I th- I thought they won that trade, but it's not looking like that right at the moment. Yeah, I kind of liked it from the Rangers' perspective just because I still liked uh, Zibanejad's upside, and um, he's cheaper as well. So it made a lot of sense from their end, I thought. I thought the Senators did upgrade this year. Broussard's definitely the better player right now, and he's not prohibitively expensive by any means. But I was thinking for them it would be worth it if he came in and sparked Bobby Ryan. But those two aren't even playing together right now. They've got Turris and Ryan playing together. Um, yep. So we'll see how it turns out. Obviously, the season's young, but he's only on about a 40-point pace right now. So yeah. he'll, he'll have to pick it up significantly in order for them to really have won that trade. And Zibanejad seems to have fit right in with the Rangers. That team's just got a ton of scoring depth. Yeah. Um, what do you, and we put, what we play them on Thursday. So we go Ottawa, and then we have Rangers at home. So that should be pretty interesting. It's going to be two tough games. Yeah, it's an important week, too. I mean, I, it, it's tough to really place a ton of weight on games at this point in the season, but you can dig yourself into a hole that you can't get yourself out of. It's it's very possible to do that at this point in the season. If they come out of this week without any points, now all of a sudden you're looking at they may be in last place in the conference at that point. They may be looking at being – eight points out of a playoff spot already. And then with Eichel coming back, they'd have to go on a pretty heroic run to be back and really in the thick of the playoff race. They have to pass a ton of teams. So it's too early to panic at this point. But this is a this is an important week. And yeah, Ottawa's, Ottawa's I, probably one of those teams you have to pass. So games against yeah. them are important. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. It's, it, you know... Let, I can't wait till we can finally get a full assessment of this team when once Eichel comes back, and once we get uh, Kulagov and Bogosian back. It, it, that's when I'm going to start throwing the hands in the air. But the season's going on, and I know it's early, like you said. But time keeps on clicking, clicking, clicking. 
into the future. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, we've definitely seen that yeah. with Sabres teams in the past too, where they they started the season slow, and yeah, they played really well in the second half of the year, but it wasn't enough to claw their way back into into a playoff position. So this team has been there before in their years of mediocrity. Um, some years they did enough. I remember the year actually you and I went down to party in the plaza, I remember, and they lost to Philly in the first round. That year they were, I think, the best team in the NHL after January 1st, and they still barely squeaked into the playoffs. But that was kind of their M.O. for a while. And I just don't see this team ever being able to score enough to be able to go on a hot enough streak to be able to dig themselves out of being, say, you know, 7-12-5. and five. And yeah, so, you know, well, we can only, we can only go up from here, though, Mark. That's the that's the encouraging thing, and seeing the guys play all right now, and you know, competing with a team like the Washington Capitals tonight, minus that crappy six on uh, six men on the ice call, it was it's it's nice to see. It's refreshing, but you got to think, man, what happens if our, our full roster is available here? You know, uh, the Capitals are a team that's contending for conference championship almost it seems like every year uh what do you think about their chances this year i i think you know you got seven defensemen coming back i think uh brad may might have made that point earlier so everyone has chemistry everyone they brought everyone back both goaltenders um brendan holtby and uh uh Graba- grubauer uh came back this year too so i mean the team has chemistry would it be a t- I wouldn't mind seeing them finally get a cup. Yeah, we were actually talking about that today. Uh, my wife and I were watching the game together, and we were both saying, you know, not that I'm a huge Ovechkin fan or anything, but I do want to see him get a cup because you can make a pretty good argument that he he may be he may go down as the best goal scorer of all time in the NHL based on the low scoring era that he's played in and the number of goals yeah, he's been able absolutely. to put up. Um, and for him to not get a cup, I think would be kind of criminal or be he, he he may go down as the best player not to win a cup if that was to happen uh, so I would like to see them do yes. it and they brought pretty much everybody back TJ Oshie is still hurt right now so he's a big addition when he comes back into the lineup he's a really nice complimentary player uh, that, that team's scary and I always have trouble betting against them in the playoffs I, I, I don't really like putting the choker label on teams I think it's kind of overdone. No. Um, you know what I love about the Capitals? They feed Ovechkin the puck. They just they. I would love to see the Sabers do it with Eichel at some point, where they just keep giving him the puck, and you know he's going to shoot it probably seventy percent of the time. But it's uh. It, it's just awesome. You have that guy. You have to sit right on him to guard him, which is going to. Get get someone else open. So just having a guy like that on your team is just amazing. I I hope that someday we might be in a situation like that with Jack Eichel. Well, that's what I would love to see too, and that's what you need to do. You you need to get your star players high volume and put Eichel in the exact position where he needs to be on the power play in order to get the maximum number of shots on goal as possible. That's what Tampa does with Stamkos too. I know we're we keep referencing Tampa and Washington, but those really those two teams I think are the class of the Eastern Conference and have been over the last few years. Uh, but they do the same thing with him: feed him the puck, get shots on goal, and it works. And you yeah. hope that that's what Eichel can be. 
Yeah, I think I think so too. I I think he can be. I just last year I was saying it. You know, get him the puck. Let him shoot every time he gets the puck on the power play. As soon as he gets the lane or someone's in front of the net, let him shoot. And I think it takes time to um, him coming in as a rookie. You could tell he wanted so badly to just kind of be one of the guys and to not come in like this is my team and and it's tough to kind of figure out okay, how can I do that and at the same time take over offensively and shoot the puck consistently and I think a lot of times he wanted to set other guys up as part of that you know as part of that goal of just being one of the guys but I think he needs to realize that without him getting as many shots on goal as possible this team isn't going to be as good offensively as otherwise could and that's what he's going to be paid to do is I think you just paying his rent to Matt Molson yeah, <laughs> you got to set him up with a few goals. But Molson's been doing better without him this year, so maybe, I don't uh, know. We'll see. We'll see, man. But uh, one last question for you, Mark, and then uh, I think we might need to hang it up. Uh, who's who's going to start in goal? Is it going to be Leonard against uh, his old teammates there in Ottawa? Or are they going to let Nielsen play again after a pretty strong performance, in my opinion, again this, this game against the uh, the Capitals. I think it will be Leonard. Um, I think Bilesman is going to go back to him. I think if uh, if they'd found a way to win this game tonight, they probably would have gone back to Nielsen. I don't think that's a fair way to really evaluate it because it wasn't like you know Nielsen played any worse because they couldn't get that second goal to tie it up at two and force it into overtime. Uh, and then they took that bad penalty late to make it three to one. Uh, so if if it was me personally, I'd probably want to keep riding the hot hand. I know I said that in the last podcast too, uh, mm-hmm. but I think Leonard's played very well against the Senators during his short Sabers tenure, and I think Bilesmo will go back to him, and then probably obviously depending on the results in that game, quite possibly go back to Nielsen for that Rangers game. How about you? What do you think? I would like to see. Uh... You know, Leonard go against his old teammates. I, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, uh, unnecessary motivation. I guess I'd call it where uh, you you get you have, hey, this is my old team. I want to beat them just as bad as they want to score on me. So l- let's go out there and give it my all. You know, but I also like Nelson a lot too. Nielsen's been doing good. Uh, I I. I is he not going to get as many starts as Leonard this year? No. But you know what? He could be playing on Leonard's level all season or possibly even better. I Nielsen's good. I think the one-two punch for goaltender in Buffalo is one of the uh, one of our very strong advantages for this Buffalo Sabres team this year. Yeah, I think it's the only area that you can't really say has been a weakness. Because uh, center, despite when everybody's healthy, obviously the Sabres center depth is one of the best in the league if not you could make an argument it's the best if you wanted to it's probably still behind Pittsburgh uh, at the least but um, goaltending has been strong and you can't really argue with the play of either of those two guys but I think with points as scarce as they are they they can't be thinking about Leonard's psychology they've got to be playing the hot hand playing your best option in that given game if they think Leonard's that best option go with them on Tuesday. But I don't really want them to be thinking about psychology at this point in the season. And Nielsen will eventually cool off, and then you'll ride Leonard at that point in time. It happened with Nielsen last year in Edmonton. He started out the season really hot, and I think he was even he stole a lot of starts away from Cam Talbot 
to start the year last year, but then ended up cooling off and then ended up being ended up going to St. Louis and then the Sabres ended up acquiring him in a trade this year. So I don't think Nielsen will keep this up all year, but you want to ride the hot hand while you can. That's kind of what I lean toward, but I think it will be Leonard. I think, I, I think you're ultimately going to be right. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I'm excited. I'm excited for these next two games, Mark. And uh, you got anything else for everybody? Uh, I think we probably should discuss uh, Will Carrier. I think we yeah, didn't. Yeah, we didn't. Absolutely. We didn't talk about a lot of the. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of the I want to talk about last types. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't want... get into him much last time either. But I thought he was very good in the Red Wings game. I thought he was fairly invisible tonight in the Caps game. But yeah. I thought he was one of the best skaters on the ice for the Sabers in the Red Wings game. I think he's given it. I think he's given that little bit extra more than anyone on the team right now. Actually, uh, it's just it's nice to see him. You know, going in, finishing checks, going skating hard after the puck. Those are guys you need on the team. They lead by example. And you know, one thing about Carrier, and I wanted to ask you this last week, but we never got. Uh, not last week, but last podcast, but we never got into it. Uh, do you think that Will Carrier, with a healthy Sabres roster, deserves a B in this top, in the top uh, twelve, in the big club? I think at this point in time, if everybody was healthy, yes. I think he would have to be at least on that fourth line. Uh, I'm not sure what the lines would look like at that point, uh, but that's exactly what you want from your bottom six. You need speed. This team desperately needs speed, and that's been one of the areas where he's helped the most because he he does bring that element of speed. Um, you need physicality. He does that, and you know he's got a little bit of offensive skill too, which certainly helps. But I think I think for now he's he's here to stay. And of course, with young players, yeah. they're very volatile. He very well could get into a slump, or maybe this is just adrenaline that's been carrying him for his first stretch of games in the NHL. But right now, if everybody was to just magically get healthy, I think he would be on this team's fourth line. How about you? What do you think? He was. I think he's. I think he's awesome. I think that he would too. I. I don't see how you can. You can't. I mean, the guys that give that extra effort and are willing to play the game, and do exactly everything they have. Give exactly everything they have to play. Like this kid's doing, deserve to be playing on this team. You see guys who are just whacking, whacking their sticks at pucks and not finishing checks and skating up to someone and skating by them. That's not how the game's played. Newsflash. Uh, you know, this is hockey. Come on. Let's, um, and Will Carrier is a hockey player, and I like watching him play. Um, Definitely. He, uh, he, came, he, he, he came over from the, in the Ryan Miller trade, didn't he? Yep, he did. He did. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, he was a second-round pick by them. He was a second-round pick in that same draft as uh, Justin Bailey. Um, okay. I forget who else. I think Connor Hurley the Sabres took in that second round as well. And there was one other. It wasn't Eric Cornell because Eric Cornell was the next year. I forget. There was one other guy the Sabres picked, but they have, I think, four second-rounders from that draft. Or yeah. was it? well. Or was that Brennan Lemieux? So, that might have been Brennan Lemieux. Brennan Lemieux? Uh, I think Lemieux is the year after. But look that look that bad boy up because I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm interested now. I feel like for the accuracy of our of our listeners, I'm gonna. 
it yeah, up. Yeah, don't worry. We yeah. got we got yeah. Mark Geis, aka M Dubs, got you <laughs> got you coming with some information. Oh, Comfer <laughs> was the other one. Yeah, and Lemieux was in 2014. Comfer. Okay, so they were both part of the trade for Kane though, Comfer and Lemieux, right? Comfer was in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. It was uh, what's his name, Ari? Uh. Who's the other minor like guy we signed? We sent with Lemieux to get Kane and Bogosian. Um, a mayor. It starts with an A. I can't. Um, Armia. Right Joel. Armia, yeah, Joel yeah, Armia, yeah. who was yeah, the Sabres' first rounder yeah. in 2011, I believe, was the year. The year after Mark Pesic. Um Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Was, Sorry about that, listeners. I had a little brain fart there. <laughs> Too many trades, a, a <laughs> lot of prospects going out the window, and I mean that's one of the one of the reasons why I'm pretty critical of uh, of Murray. They they did let a lot of good prospects go. The O'Reilly trade obviously was completely uh, worth it, but the Kane Bogosian trade looking worse yeah. and worse by the day. Anything to get rid of Drew Stafford, in my opinion. <laughs> well, they would I'm have sorry. traded him at the deadline that year, anyways. I think and gotten you know a second rounder back for him or whatever. So he was gone. He was gone one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, um, yeah. Any, I'm other, any other topics that come no, to nothing mind? I can think, no, nothing that I can think about. Uh, I, uh, I'm i really thankful for uh, the Buffalo Sabres trying to win, and it's been a good week, and that's my Thanksgiving wish. And I hope that you you've, uh, Sabres fans out there have been enjoying the watching the games as well. So. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been too enjoyable this week, but we can be thankful for Jack Eichel about to return. We can be thankful for some good goaltending play. And uh, hopefully Sammy the, Watkins on Sunday. Sammy Watkins coming back is, is big. I um, picked him up on free agency uh, on my league. Dropped Chris Hogan for Sammy Watkins. Wow, that's a <laughs> that's a pretty nice trade trade off there. Yeah, Watkins yeah, was already – I guess my leagues, everybody's a little bit – quicker because I think he was only dropped in one league and he was picked up like four weeks ago but in that league I was fighting for a playoff spot I'm now out of the playoffs and I couldn't afford to pick up somebody just for like a speculative playoff ad so I stayed did I tell you about our t- did I tell you about our taproom league uh prize uh for last place no um <laughs> uh, well you gotta do Charlie work? 12- we we <laughs> no not exactly we uh, got a 12-man league, and whoever comes in last place out of the 12 players gets uh, their picture framed up in the men's room with a big plaque that says douche by it. <laughs> so it's uh, douche 2016 is already up there. Josh Smith, Westfield, New York. And he's in the competition to maybe get win it again this year. So should be interesting. That's a pretty uh, nice incentive we, to get people to, to not give up on it when they're out of the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah, it's fun. We we have a lot of fun with it. So that's what it's all about. It's good Some people take it a little bit too seriously, and it takes the yeah. fun right out of it. Yep. But I wish I was Our in champion, I was in a couple uh, fantasy hockey leagues last year, and then one of them I got kicked out of. It was pe- with people I don't know. I don't know enough <laughs> hockey fans, I guess, to be able to do an actual fantasy hockey league. But it was a keeper league, and I got kicked out of it. I think because my team was too good. And so now I have no now I have no fantasy hockey teams anymore. So it's only football. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Mark. Oh, so frustrating. Well, let's uh let's sign let's sign off let's sign off here and uh 
we'll uh, come come back to you hopefully uh, after Thursday night, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's that should be yeah. our goal. Hopefully, late next week we'll have another episode out for everybody. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Good night, Sabres fans.